Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warrior is where I interview consciousness-centered entrepreneurs about their journey from warrior to commander to king. We'll deconstruct their mindset, mental models, actionable tactics, and tools so that you can take everything you learn and go on and build your business for more impact and fulfillment. My next guest, he has cooked for the king of Morocco, the French president, the former UN secretary general. He is the executive chef and the co-founder of Taranga. His cookbook has been nominated for the Julia Child Cookbook Award and the James Beard Award. He's the founder of Yoleli Foods. We talked about his story of being a biochemistry student from Senegal, stranded in New York City, and all the way to cultural ambassador, bringing African ancient grains to 1,000 stores in all over North America. We talked about how a robber literally launched his kitchen career. We talked about cooking as meditation with love as the main ingredient. We talked about from a nutritional point of view, why it's important to know your farmer's heart. We talked about how and why eliminating the middleman and using your hands would make your eating experience even more magical. We talked about how Eating pizza alone on a subway in New York was so funny and so shocking when Pierre's mother visited New York for the first time. So please enjoy my conversation with the executive chef and the founder of Yoleli Foods, Pierre Chine. Thank you for having me, CK. So you are a very interesting person. You know, in your talk, you started with a phrase, cosmic justice, that you became a chef in New York. How did you come all the way from Senegal and end up in New York? Ah, so it's a long journey. It's an ongoing journey. <laughs> um, well, I, I was born in Dakar. Dakar is the capital city of Senegal. And I uh, grew up there in eventful childhood until uh, I was a student in physics and chemistry. Very, very political at the time uh, at when I was a student already. You know, university in Senegal, we very political. It's like, so we, we, there was a year where we got into a series of strike. You know, we were like just wanted some changes in, in, in the school system. We wanted the government to, you know, to treat us better. And those strikes went on for so long that the government decided to shut down the school system. So the university is shut down. And here we are, you know, we, we have to face our, in our immediate future. You know, we all have to start over a new year next year. And I was one of those guys who thought, you know, it wasn't a question. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to start over again. And I managed to get a student visa at a small college in Ohio, out of all places. And I was on my way to Ohio. We decided to visit New York because a friend of mine lived in New York. It's not that I decided New York was a necessary stop coming from Dakar. You have to stop by JFK. And then I was going to figure out a way to bust my way to, to Ohio. And my friend lived in New York. It was back in the late 80s, 1989 to be precise. And uh, my friend lived in an area near Times Square, a hotel, you know, quote unquote hotel. Very, you know, it's the scariest place I had ever seen in my life. You know, this whole area. I was coming from, you know, innocent Dakar, you know, like where everything was nice, seaside city, tourist place. And here I am in Times Square in the 80s, in the middle of like an AIDS epidemic, you know, the crack 
epidemic. I mean, everything was like just, I wasn't prepared for that. And three days when I arrived, after I arrived, my I was robbed three days after I arrived in New York. That's really what changed everything for me. And I was robbed and I was very tempted to return to Senegal. I was like, no, fuck this, you know, this was just too, <laughs> I'm sorry for, for using no, no, it. Perfect, I love that. <laughs> but I literally said, I gotta return. This is a crazy place, crazy country, barely spoke English, you know, I was just like, what am I doing here? You know, and uh, and and then a friend of mine, you know, friend, somebody I, I met in that place, that hotel, happened to be working in a restaurant, and that restaurant was looking for a busboy, and he he asked me if I would take the job. And I said, "Why don't you take the job? Get some money, and you know." And naively, I'm like, "Okay, I'll do that." And you know, I didn't need much experience. My first job ever in my life, and and here I am in this restaurant in the West Village called Garvin's. And uh, the the place was fascinated for to me because it was a cultural shock, you know. In the kitchen, you know, I come from a kitchen, a, a culture where cooking is a gender based activity. I grew up with women in the kitchen and men, whatever they are, doctors or street street cleaners, whatever, but not in the kitchen. And and here I am in this restaurant. There's only men in the kitchen. There's not a single woman. And I'm like, what? This country is nuts, you know. And but but that was great because you know not only um, you know Senegal is a gender-based activity for kitchen for, for for the kitchen, but you know everyone loves food. We we from it's a great food culture. If you know Senegal, you know it's an amazing food culture. And this is because you know it's just like this melting pot. Dakar is a melting pot, and it's been a crossroad for cultures for for hundreds of years you know the we were colonized by the french before the french the portuguese were there you know we have a big big vietnamese community in senegal a big lebanese community and all of these cultures they bring their food and that makes just like this very interesting uh, fusion you know that you see that that's really what I grew up around this amazing food. So I, I, enjoy, I enjoy great food. My mom was a, a foodie before foodie was a thing, you know, uh, and uh, and here I am in this restaurant and I'm looking at these dishes and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And these guys can do it. And, you know, salivating at the same time, very curious about how did they get there? And, and the chef became this friend of mine, a mentor and a friend, because, you know, he, he wanted to practice his French with me. And mm. anytime, you know, and he was like, you know, hey, why don't you get extra shifts? Come here, you you, you start washing dishes like I did, you know, and, and, you know, we practice French, you get extra money, you wash dishes and you learn your way up into the kitchen. You seem to be very interested in cooking, you know, and, you know, I was like, why not? For me, any way to get more money to get out of New York was like good, good enough. So, but of course, I hated washing dishes and, and that was the, you know, I was like, I hated it, you know, you know, I was like this, you know, college guys thinking I was going to be, you know, working in an office, this mindset, you know, and that was the best thing that happened to me. You know, I think it humbled me, but it also gave me the a strong foundation for the kitchen. I think, you know, even now in my restaurants, I always like to hire people who have been going through those steps because it's so important to, to respect that, that step of the, the kitchen. But gradually over the years, I, I've, I've started to really fall in love with cooking. You know, it's like, you know, I started from washing dishes, started peeling vegetables, of course, all the steps becoming a prep, 
prep cook, after becoming a prep cook, becoming a garde manger, working the salad station. From the salad, I started working the, the, the other stations of the kitchen, the grill, the, the saute station, the sauces. And, you know, over years, I mean, it's been like a span of 30 years, of course, but over the years, you know, I fell in love with cooking. I saw that cooking was also chemistry, you know, which was my background, which is what I've been studying in school. And I could see those reactions were chemical reactions. Everything was happening in the kitchen. I could connect with the reaction that made sense to me. So, I, you know, I, I educated myself and the chef was leading me towards the books to read and I was, you know, really getting into it. From there, I went into an Italian restaurant, learned more skills, worked in a French restaurant, Jean-Claude in Soho, and, you know, grew, myself, grew gradually, worked up the ladder of the kitchen until I got to this other restaurant, another restaurant in Soho, where I became a sous chef, you know, it's called Boom. And from becoming a sous chef, that restaurant was so... Oh, go ahead. I'm too fast, huh? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. There's, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack because you, you essentially are compressing 30 years of your life in just a few minutes. Yeah. Let me backtrack a little bit, bringing back to the origin sure. story where you sure. were robbed, you know, about to go to Ohio, never made it there. You were robbed and you decided to take a uh, dishwashing to, uh, job as a way to just make some money to get out of the place, right? Mm -hmm. So bring yourself back to that position. Can you share with us how you got out of that dark moments? Because in that moment, it couldn't have been feeling great. You couldn't have seen the trajectory of your career. So mm -hmm. in that moment, in dark moments, how were you able to, you know, continue to be confident and move things forward? Or literally was just, hey, I got to make ends meet, so I'll take whatever. Can you bring us back to that moment, please? Yeah, I think that what switched at some point, I mean, I, I was very anxious in the beginning and almost panicking until, you know, I, I learned to accept it. You know, I was like, OK, this is this is this has happened now. You know, I have to, you know, there's nothing to change about it. I'm, I'm broke. I have no money. I'm, you know, away from Senegal and I have to make it happen. So I think the moment I have accepted it, things changed in a way that was positive, you know, it's like, and, and, and I started to see a light, you know, I, the, the chef become, became my friend and he showed, told me that, you know, I could still find a path and get to where he is now, you know, just by, just by working hard and, you know, and, and I worked hard. I mean, I, I worked really hard. I was accumulating hours like nobody, uh, nobody's been, I mean, it was crazy. You know, I was like trying to, make to get out of here so the only way for me was to work you know i had no family around nobody it was just me this young kid from africa who wants to leave this crazy place so <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> did i answer yeah. your question yeah uh, you you did and i asked that question also as a teaching moment for the younger pierre or the younger ck watching this right because mm -hmm. this is covid uh, business may not be doing so well, you know, whatever business they're in, uh, presidential election just happened. A lot of things are changing all over the place mm -hmm. and some of them may be at a dark place. So I wanted to use your experience as a teaching moment to say, hey, what did you do to get out of that dark moments, to get mm -hmm. out of those dark circumstances? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just for me realizing that, you know, I, there was things that I couldn't change, you know, the, the fact that I was broke now and that, you know, I was lost, I lost everything. 
accepting that is just put me in a better place to 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 face the future you know and then i realized the future now was to roll up my sleeves and and learn new skills with what i have you know and so so again focusing on that particular moment you're a college guy you're you're supposed to study physics and chemistry and now all of a sudden uh you're a dishwashing yeah. you know, boy and was there it, you you had said it earlier it's a humbling experience mm -hmm. so was there a mental shift that you need you needed to happen for you to humble yourself to do these type of manual labor work or mm -hmm. was it just hey circumstances happen i'm gonna go wash dishes it's not a problem was it fluid was it some challenges internally when that uh, it, 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 i wouldn't say it was fluid but again when i say accepting that's the, the the really the word that really comes to me it's like just to to say that I, I I've embraced it, you know, I've embraced everything, the circumstances, you know, I'm 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 in a deep stink right now, and and this dishwashing job can help me get out of it, you know. So I'm going to give it the best, you know. And I I was a good dishwasher, you know, as far as I know, it was like I was like, you know, I'm I want to do it right. I just want to you know want to get myself up right, you know. I'm I'm really down right now. And uh, and that's what I meant by uh, you know when in my TED talk when I begin by you know the accident the universe created you know uh, the word like it's something like that right but that was that's what it is you know the universe had a plan you know I I, I believe you know and I had to go through this dishwashing job to get to where I am today without it there was no way I would have gotten here I wouldn't even think of cooking as a career this is and 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 just learning those skills all of this the universe knew what it was what was happening and and for me it was you know I, I was resisting because it was humbling it was difficult and I felt like I was above this but accepting it allowed me to to do it right and and to not get fired and to keep growing and <laughs> yeah and and then I I did a lot of research and a lot of the previous talk that you've done. And then you said that someone in one of your videos that you were actually really thankful for the person that stole your luggage. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, especially when, you know, I have the privilege of seeing where I would have been, you know, because I came to, to New York with a friend of mine, my best friend at the time. We were both students and I actually found that college where he where he went the college in Ohio I found the college and I told him let's apply and we applied and we got through and he went to Ohio and he became a chemical engineer and he's doing his thing you know and I'm doing my thing and I, and I'm like I have no regrets at all and and him listening to him sometimes he's like wow I wish I was <laughs> cooking you know I wish I was in your place you know I mean that's really I thank this guy I mean the the whoever stole my my belongings yeah so, so one thing i do want to ask because you 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 came out of more of a apprenticeship right from as you said bus boy to prep cook to mm -hmm. station and so on and so forth versus going to like a traditional cooking school per se mm -hmm. so knowing what you know now could you unpack for us sort of how you learn this how you how you master the different skills and by the way i'm asking this question because i was watching one of your shows where you were 
you know, talking a lot and, and cutting a lot and just like, you know, paying attention a lot. And in my mind, I'm like, how does he do that? You know, he's not, he's talking super fast. He's, you're cutting super fast. <laughs> how did you, like, what is your learning uh, methodology? I'm curious now, your thought. You know, when, 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 I, when I found my, my passion in cooking, I, I just went all the way, you know, I, I went all the way. I, I, I just, that's all I could do. That's all I would do. I would practice, I would read, you know, I, would, I mean, I have an incredible cook, cookbook collection, you know, and that came from those days, you know, it's just been something that I've, I just wanted to, and I went to other chefs to do apprenticeship and, and learning skills. So I, you know, the question you asked me is how did I get there? Is I think this is the the best school, you know, to 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 go through those steps, you know, without with with the passion first. You have to have passion. We have to have to to be into what you're doing. You have to really love it. You know, love is the ingredient that gave me the the way to to do it the way I did. I love that. Love is an ingredient. That's a quotable quote. And by the way, I'm asking also asking this question in a self-serving way because I'm looking at you, a master chef, and the same thing with um, uh, Eric Oberholzer, who introduced us. Uh -huh. you, know, you guys are master chefs, right? You have you have your restaurants and your again master skills and can talk and cut really fast without paying attention. Amazing. So someone like me, who's actually, frankly speaking, a little bit intimidated, you mm. know, I I I I enjoy good food. Uh, but have yet to find the love, the passion for food per se. I, I get it on the intellectual basis, but I don't quite get it on the, because mm -hmm. I think in one of your videos, you said just you really enjoy the preparation of it, the, the eating of it. Like, how did you find that? Maybe you can coach me a little bit, how, how to actually find that love for food. I think I think it comes to you. It really comes to you when you you sincere, you know, no defense, you really go, you know, like I, I, I like to say when I teach a class is to be present in the kitchen, you know, that's really the opportunity for you to be present. And for me in the kitchen, I'm feeling like I'm in a, it's, it can be a meditation, you know, mm -hmm. all my senses have to be present, you know, that's really that, that's, that requires that cooking requires to have all your senses present and it starts in the market you know when you go do your market you know you 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 want i mean the market is like a feast of senses you know you have the sounds you have the hagglers you have the colors you have the smells and and all those senses give you information about the ingredient that you're getting you know when i want to buy a fish i want to make sure i touch the fish with my hands my fingers i poke it to see that the fish is fresh you know the fish the flesh has to be bouncing back the eyes of the fish have to be having a certain brightness you know and you have to look at the gills to make sure they're bright red you know you the same thing when you buy your mango you want to touch the mango to know how the, that mango is feeling you know you want to smell the mango also to make sure you have that sweetness that particular to the mango that just comes on you that's how you get to connect with those ingredients so there's a connection there's a communication that's happening between you and the ingredients and over time, that becomes something that's like, you know, that's a, another language, really, that, you know, that that's part of you. And, you know, the, to, to answer your question, you know, if you get 
that presence in the kitchen when you go in the kitchen just be present and you're going to start hearing the ingredients talking to you you're going to start hearing i mean you're going to in the market you'll feel that too and you know and you taste of course and as you taste trust your intuition there's intuition you see i'm talking about things that are really not as concrete as you know those who are used to using reason and rational in there you know and this is not what it is in the kitchen this is really it's about the senses it's about like feeling you know mm -hmm. uh, you know back especially me i come from a background in africa you know there was not much uh, cookbooks you know you know when i was writing my cookbooks oftentimes they were pioneering cookbooks you know it's like i mean mine was the first one in english for a senegalese cookbook actually and you know so because because we we didn't record the, the recipes you know we cook with our senses you know the, the the we cook with the feelings you know and that's what the mothers would tell you whenever i would call my mom to get a recipe sometimes it was frustrating because she would tell you you know what do you mean how many teaspoons you know it's not like that you know it's like and it's just and finally i got it i got it and once you get it it's so easy it's really easy it's like uh, it's it's great Yes, I I mean here here's the thing. You were uh physics and chemistry, so you understand my cerebral self why I'm asking these questions, right? Because like you, my mom was a master chef, she loves food, mm. and she would just always tell me, Oh, yeah, a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of sugar, yeah, a little bit of something. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I need to understand. I don't understand. Like, how do you get it? So, anyways, I, I, so they, <laughs> so one thing that I hear from what you're saying is more of a um, um, a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. An intuition, and it's not so much about the intellect, even though there is an intellectual component to it. But most of it is really uh, be present and. And the food, the ingredient would talk back to us. Essentially, yeah. that's what you said. Yeah, yeah, it's emotional. You know, the the intellect is part of it, but the intellect is a deduction of the emotion. The emotion are far superior. You know, and they, and in, especially when it comes to the kitchen, you know, the, the emotion are like just you let them guide you, and and you'd be surprised. You know, like sometimes I just pick an ingredient and put it without having planned it because. I just, I'm in that flow and I know that, you know, the, this is, this is what's called. So on this podcast, by the way, flow, emotions, intuitions is, and then also spirit. These are common themes that we talk about. So please go ahead and feel free to say anything you want to say there. Awesome. And, and part of, so as a master chef who, who has a really high level of sensitivity and awareness around food, food ingredients. I know that one of the things you said, always get fresh ingredients. I don't understand why people would get dry, dry, uh, dry spices, right? Things like that. Uh -huh. So what, what other tactical ways could one do, you know, novice, beginner, to gain more awareness and uh, sensibility around food, in the domain of food? Uh, well, a, a, a tip, a tip would be again coming back to the ingredients. You know, the ingredients are everything. You know, the ingredients. If you if you manage to get good quality ingredients, most of it is done. You know, I mean, the rest, we, you know, we like 
mean, in a sense, we are con artists, you know, chefs, you know, because <laughs> we, we do all these things to like <laughs> make you look like we're doing something, we're doing nothing really. Everything, 90% of it is the ingredient. Wow. 99%. I'm wrong. 99% is the ingredients. You know, if you have a fresh fish, you have, I mean, a fish that was just caught here. I mean, you have to have the technique, but the technique is, you know, is the part that, you know, is the reason. But the rest, you can't go wrong. You can't miss it. You know, it's like the fish is already, nature has made it this way. It's here, you know, and, and, and everything else is the same way. You know, if you have great ingredients, you know how to source your ingredients properly. And, and when I say great ingredients, it, uh, it's, it, I'm talking about the whole picture too, you know, great ingredients, you know, in terms of taste, the great ingredients, the way you, they've been uh, also, the way you source them, you know, you know, you want to make sure these ingredients are coming from an, the right environment. You know, when I talk about, when, when, you, when we say, why do we say free range chicken? When we say organic, why do we, you know, because that all of those also affect everything you know it's like you know you want to even the the farmer you know you want to know the farmer that's the farmer right is it does does he have the right heart does he love what he's doing that affects the ingredient that does i mean when i talk people think you're crazy but it's so true though it's so true if you find the right producer mm. and connect with him you know that he's going to give you the right products and mm. the products are going to just make your cooking shine Mm. That's, that's right so I, I love that you're reiterating what Eric Oberholtz shared on this podcast you okay. guys didn't talk before him but you guys are saying the same thing he said okay. you know he said his job is to romance the food oh, and then he, yeah I, I like that too and he also said one of the key things for a novice like me is to go to the farmer's market and get to know the farmers same thing you said because yeah. it's about understand uh how they think you know i'm interpreting now this these are my mm -hmm. words yeah. how they think and then how much love right that they put into their products and then the end results which is to produce would have that and then on this podcast we say we make what we are so if they have a right mindset mm -hmm. with the right currency the, the end results will show up on a superior, more premium basis. Is that a good recap of what you said? Absolutely. You said it even better than what I tried to say. That's exactly what I was trying to say. If, the, if they have the right mind, the right heart, you can't go wrong. The product will be right. But if they are already focused by profits on profits only, I mean, they're like thinking shareholders, you know, they're not thinking about the this the soil they're not thinking about the product they're not thinking about the, the the planet you know these guys don't care you know to feed you poison which is what they will feed you they will feed you poison and that's what's happening look at what's coming from big agri that's poison because those guys are not farmers they are like you know i don't know factory whatever <laughs> <laughs> i i love how how you just say whatever is on your mind versus trying to be uh, diplomatic. You know, in in all of your talks, you just you just say what's on your mind. I love that. <laughs> because I haven't been educated. I didn't go. <laughs> I wasn't formatted in the the school system. Thank God I didn't make it to Ohio. You know. 
<laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So a quick recap, uh, visit your local farmers, immerse in the local culture. That's one of your favorite things to do when you also said that, right? Whenever you go all around the world, that's what you would love to do. Get fresh ingredients, fresh herbs. You also said about cooking with your hands and eating with your hands. Can you say more about that? Why, why is that important? So I, I think the hands are, are your best tools in the kitchen, your fingers, your hands, the information that you can get, the way you can communicate with your ingredients, with your everything around you, the way the hand does it, nothing else can do it, you know, and, and having you do, what you want to do to avoid is uh, um, a middleman, right? You know, that's why you go directly to the farmers, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's what it is. That's what it is. And, and and but try, try to eat with your hands. I come from a culture where we eat with our hands. You know, try to eat with your hands. You know, I mean, obviously, some of us, some of you guys, have to just go beyond the. You know, there's a cultural, just some blockage somewhere. You know, but just go beyond that. You know, what we do, we wash our hands, of course. And we eat with our right hand, you know, our right hand, that's the hand you use to shake people's hand and stuff. You, that's the hand you greet people with. That's like the hand that you take the food and you feel that food, right? And you put it in your mouth. The food will taste so much better. I mean, Casey, try it, CK, try it and, and tell me, try it and try it again, you know, try it without all the biases, you know, there's so much, you know, layers of cultural, blockage that you have to, to 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 remove before you connect directly but you want to what you're doing is you're removing the the middleman the metal spoon what's that metal spoon you know it's like it's just just leave it use your hands mm. yes. i i cook i touch with my hands i do everything with my hands and when i eat i like to eat with my hands too yeah mm. all the time obviously but you know <laughs> when i can have the opportunity i do it so I'm smiling a lot because what you've said is essential what my mother said as well. She loves to eat with her hands too, ah. especially around seafood. Like she's just like, get in there. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how can you eat a crab without using your hand? You know? <laughs> have to open it and like get it directly. And that, oh my goodness, that's like, that's magic, you know? <laughs> that's really how, how it goes. As you said, mental blocks, right? Because yeah. you know, as a as a city person, I I I, I like things. I'm 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 a, I'm a little anal. I'm a little OCD, right? So I like I don't like messy things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But 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 hey, I'm willing to learn. So uh, now that Eric has said it, you've said it, my mom said it. You know, enough people have said it. I'm willing yeah. to give it a shot. Give it a shot. Give it a shot for sure. Okay. Um, what about you also said not just the preparation part. You, what you love about food is when you eat, you like to eat with your hands, with music, and and you also are very active in creating like a you know like an invitation. So 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 it's a social thing to bring people together. Can you say more about that? Music mm -hmm. and friends and social community. Music is a. I mean, for me. It's a personal, it's a personal uh, thing. When I, when I cook, especially when I'm creating, you know, when I'm going free flow, I love to. I have a particular. I listen to diverse music, but I, I love to listen to to jazz when I play when I cook, you know, and and 
old school, you know, because th that jazz that's free flowing, that just the musician, the way they, I mean, it's intuition and there's like, you know, call and response between instruments. That's a way that's cooking for me, you know, in a way that's cooking. It's like, you know, the cooking is like different ingredients reacting to each other. And and you the cook, the, you're the medium, but you like also playing a role in it. And you, if each of, each of us are playing to have something harmonious, and that harmony is musical, you know. And it's like it's a different dimension because it comes with, uh, you know, you know, with taste. And but you have a symphony of flavors that you, you know, as you uh, as as you cook and as you eat. You know, as you cook, it comes in in smells. It comes in, you know, and as you eat, it tastes, you know, different layers, and it comes in, and and that's how music comes to this symphony. So yes, it's very important for me to music just help me get to that place. You know, it's not necessary, but it helps you get to that place. And oftentimes, in in my kitchen, you know, I understand often my 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 cooks too. They love to play music. We may have different style of music, but music takes them to a place that just allows them to 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 do their cooking better. So that's fine with me. And um, you know, and the, the having people around the invitation is really, I think. Um, the reason really for 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 cooking you know it's like having bringing people together you know it's because i come from a culture where uh we eat around the bowl you know we don't you don't eat alone i remember my mom <laughs> i didn't realize that until one day my mom came to visit me in the us that was way after i was they had accepted that i was a cook and you know <laughs> i would never be the, the the engineer they dreamed of but you know it's another story but she came to visit me and she was shocked we took a train and she was shocked to see this guy eating a pizza <laughs> in the platform and she was like i mean something new yorkers would walk by they wouldn't notice my mom was like wow hey, hey look at this guy <laughs> <laughs> but like what shocked her was that the guy was eating alone you know it's like mm. In sitting down, he wasn't able to be patient and get to the place where he would yeah. be surrounded by his loved ones and his friends and and yeah. share whatever you know, because we eat around the bowl and we eat you know we you know in Senegal, I grew up in a way at school you would go to school at noon we would leave school everyone would go home at noon to eat lunch, and we would sit around the bowl. And we'd eat some of us with our hands, others, you know, because they've been colonized, they use their spoons. But, you know, we'd eat around. But that's the moment where we share. It's more than just the food that we share. We share just this is love. This is a moment of trust. Just first of all, eating around the bowl with people left and right, you have to trust them. You know, there's trust coming, there's love coming. And the more important is oftentimes you would see somebody in the bowl, around the bowl, sitting that you wouldn't even, you didn't know he was coming or you don't even know him because you, you always have a guest. They always, you know, my mom taught me to always invite people, you know, she, mm. because this was a, a belief. She grew up in that culture and I grew up in that culture. We believe that the more you have people, especially when it comes to food, the, these people bring blessings to you, you know, especially if it's somebody who's not expected. You know, somebody happened to be passing by the house or, or or just coming by to drop something and you say, no, no, stay for dinner, stay for lunch, you know. And that person knows that he has to stay too because if he refuses, even if he ate, you know, he has to stay because that's just 
the way he brings blessings to the person who invited you. Mm. And we believe that that person is the one who guarantees that your ball will always be plentiful because mm. you you invite people to your ball. There's always going to be more food. There's like, you know, there's this superstition, you know, but it's so true in my culture, you know. That's why, that's why I call my restaurant Teranga. That's the, the, the word for that. You know, is is that hospitality, that sharing with mm. people, bringing you know, and I'm I'm so sorry, I'm just bringing so many different <laughs> uh, layers. In. No, probably... this is great. I love it. I totally love it. I mean, by the way, just so that you know, from all the research I've done, mm -hmm. your commitment to use food and music and culture to bring people together and in a communal table, mm -hmm. that's palpable. That is that's that's true. That's congruent. That, that's right. Look, I'm sorry. I'm gonna ban here. I need to plug my my, my computer before. Sure, do your thing. Of course, it's all good. The last thing we want is to run out of power. Okay. Yeah. Gotta have fuel. Gotta have fuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we good. So let me ask you this question: You, because you came home in hindsight. In hindsight, it's 2020 because mm -hmm. you had an aunt who was a foodie. Your mom had a French cookbook. Your godfather was from Vietnam, who is a man and who also cooks. So in hindsight, it's like, of course, Pierre is gonna grow up to be a chef. So, so, but it, but only in hindsight, right? So if, in the beginning, you were destined to be an engineer. So was there an identity shift? You, was there something you had to let go of on the inside for you to, in something that you struggle with for you to really embrace, you know, being a chef in food, yeah. that it's okay, that this is my dharma. I don't know if you believe in that, like a dharma thing. So can you say a little bit about that, the identity shift internally? Yeah, yeah. The, the thing I had to let go of was my... You know my ego really i mean the the physics and chemistry i had no problem letting go of because you know there was no passion there i was just happened to be good at physics and chemistry in high school and then when i went to college university i got sent to the department of physics and chemistry i couldn't care less you know i just wanted to have my college degree but you know i that wasn't the thing i, I had no passion really for anything. I just knew that, I mean, I, I wanted to do something that would allow me to travel. I love to travel. I love people. That's really what I, but I had no particular goal, you know, but when I say I had to let go of my ego, because my ego is, was telling me, what are you doing cooking? You know, it's a woman's job, you know, what do you, I mean, it's, it's, it's a manual job. You're supposed to be in an office like your dad, like your, like you know, uh, uh, someone who the, the 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 idea of succeeding, success, you know, in in our culture is like when you made it in the office and you wear a suit and tie and you like you know you're a doctor or you're something like that, or politician or something, but you know, so that ego, that voice that was telling me that you know I was a failure because you know I was here or I, you know, washing dishes or, or cleaning fish or doing stuff that women would do in your country. Not even that I was misogynistic or anything like that. It was just the society that I grew up in, you know, it was just, this is not for you. You know, I, I should, I'm better than this, you know. 
that's what my ego was telling me. So I had to let go of that, you know. That shift uh, came when when I found the when I when I I was honest to myself that I really loved cooking. I realized that this was you know and that I you know and realized that cooking didn't have to be limited to um, just what I was actually doing. I could dream of better places to go. You know, I could dream of introducing my food culture to the so-called food capital of the world that had nothing African represented. So I was like, you know, I could, you know, I can, I can bring things. I can, I can make my own revolution, you know, with the food that I love to cook, you know, so it's like, that's, so that's, uh, that's when, you know, that's when the shift came. And, and then I realized that I could do anything with it. So, so you were discovering on the inside, Hey, you know, this is below me, but I actually started to really like it. And you also saw a brighter future. Hey, I don't just have always to be a dishwasher. I don't always have to be the bus boy. I, there, yeah. there are dreams I can accomplish if I put my thought yeah. to it, my action into it, right? So yeah. at what point did that happen? Was, there, was, that, was that a gradual thing or was it more like a switch? I think it was gradual. You think it was gradual. It was, you know, from dishwasher, um, getting out of dishwasher, the next step was to prep, you know, so prep was the next step. And I'm like, oh, prep is not good enough. You know, it's like, I <laughs> just gotta get out of prep, you know, and, you know, I was ambitious. I will, I, I, I'm an ambitious guy. I, I, I admit, and I wanted to, I wanted always, you know, to be to the next step, to be at the next place. And that's how, that's how it happened. And then it re really happened when uh when i got a, a offered chef de cuisine position you know that was supposed to be the the top right you know you're in the restaurant and you're the chef you're the main man right now you know so and i'm like there's more to it and i knew there was more to it you know and you know for me it's that's when i found my mission really of really just changing because there was so much uh ignorance when it came to African food, you know, there was so much ignorance when it came to Africa, period. And I said, thought I could play a role, you know, I thought I could play a role by just with food, by just bringing the great food that I grew up eating and, and introducing it just gradually in this small restaurant first, start bringing it to um, the, the, the stuff, you know, family meal, you know, and then family meal after that, making it as specials at the restaurant. And see the reaction of the the, the 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 patterns, you know, and see how all those little steps confirmed to me that I had something that I could just take and mm -hmm. and run with it. And that's how I, you know, I collected recipes and and wrote my first cookbook. That's how you know it's really it happened gradually. But at mm -hmm. some point, I realized that I wanted to 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 bring my food culture. I wanted to bring it at an international level. I wanted to revisit it. I wanted to, you know, and there was, you know, so much you could do with with that, you know. Then, you know, there's no end. It's kind of like watering a plant, right? Mm -hmm. you, every day you water it or however long you water it. <clears throat> you don't expect it, you know, a, a seedling to be a mighty oak tree tomorrow so it's every day every day and then all of a sudden oh hey there's a tree i didn't you know there's fruit yeah yeah, yeah. bring bring the, the food analogy back in play um so question for you is this someone like me who is not very familiar with african culture at all i'll, I'll admit i want to mm -hmm. learn so what where should i start what should I eat more African dishes that with sorry dishes with African roots or 
What African cuisines do I try? Where do I go? What do I do? Well, well, that's, that's a good question. You know, you'd be surprised that uh, some of the African food that you'll be eating will, will taste so familiar to you because you have had it already. You know, when you look at the influences that Africa has in this country in particular, you know, with the Middle Passage, and you look at the food that you have in southern food. Southern food is African food, really. It's West African food, you know. Mm. Gumbo, jambalaya, hopping jones. All those dishes are West African dishes. You can trace them directly back to specific parts, regions of West Africa, Senegal, Nigeria, Ghana. Because that's food that was brought here with slavery. And it came and it stayed. The ingredients that were brought here with slavery, you know, people don't talk about that. Some ingredients like rice, you know, people always connect rice with Asia. Yet there are two families of rice, you know, there's the Asian rice and there's the African rice. There's two big families. Mm. But the, the rice that was brought here to the America, the, the, that started in the Carolinas, were the rice that was coming from West Africa. There's a, called the Oriza glaberima. And there's some research has been done. And then finally realizing that they were targeting slaves in parts of West Africa because they had a rice culture and they were bringing them to the Carolinas to make this economy of the Carolina around rice. The, the whole economy was based on rice that, you know, they called it the Carolina gold, by the way. Mm. So, so, you know, so, so African food is, it has been present in, in many parts of the world and we don't realize it you know you took you take you talk talk about paella in spain people don't realize that paella started in valencia and valencia at the time was part of the Moor empires and the Moor empires actually was like stretching all the way through morocco mauritania which is south of senegal north of senegal and paella is a dish that's so similar to Senegalese national dish, the chebujin. It's the same red-colored rice with seafood, and that's the only dish in in Spain that they eat around the bowl. You know, they just everything else they eat differently. But the paella, they have this large bowl, the same way we eat our rice dishes. So there's, you know, this, again, you know, and and then you do more research, you realize that rice arrived in Valencia in the 16th century with the moors so you know so you had paella so you had already had some african food you know you had gumbo you already had some african food you had jambalaya so you know food is just a, a safe way to learn more about the, the, uh, the our food culture our culture in general african culture and that's why i love it you know because the restaurant is a safe place you know it's like people are coming you know with good intentions it's love it's like you know we can sit around the table and your enemy becomes, you know, a potential friend here because you no, know, no, there's just it's just about eating together, breaking bread, and and I, you know, I, I, I see my restaurant as as places that that make it possible, you know, for people to come with like the ideas they had of, about Africa, but they come and they enter and they eat and they get transformed, you know, they realize that oh wow, you know. This is great food. This is good for you. It's good for your body. This is, you know, you feel great after that. And, and you had some time, a good, a good conversation with someone who just happened to meet there or someone. There is something magical about food because, well, one, everyone needs to eat. And, and, and so I was speaking to a musician guest the other day. He said music has 
power to basically transform a whole space of 10,000 people in 10 seconds. Yes, but food is welcome everywhere you go. So as a chef, I, I, I would assume, you know, you are welcome anywhere you go because people know whenever you show up, you can make magic happen anywhere. Is that, am I projecting? Is that, is that, is that an accurate uh, observation? Well, it seems, it seems to, to be true when, when people know that you're a chef, it, it's a, they often expect that you're going to come and, and whip up a gourmet dish for them or something. But, uh, but the, the opposite also is true because people are afraid to invite you for, for, for because they, they, they just intimidate uh, They don't want to be judged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and they, they will not be judged. You know, I love eating simple food. So. Mm. There's there there's so many, I can you know interview you for hours, but but I know that you also have a time constraint here. So mm -hmm. I wanted to um, ask you a question about. So now that you have actually no a side question because you mentioned this a few times, I it would it would do my audience a disservice if I don't ask you about it. You had talked about ego. You had talked about meditation. You had talked about flow. You had talked about you know the energetics. Have you had some kind of training or the education, or is it just culturally that's just part of the language? Um, you know how how you grew up in, as in, mm. you really think about um, the ego as separate from who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I did have uh, I did have uh, interest in 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 in. Uh in in myself in searching you know deeper and 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 that led me there and i you know i guess my love for reading you know led me to uh reading a lot about other other spiritual uh literatures a lot of it was um you know buddhism islam I mean, Christianity, mystic, you know, oftentimes I was always looking for the esoteric part of it. And, and that's really how I started to practice meditation. And, and, and just, just because I, I thought there was more to life than just going through the motion every day, just go wake up and, and you know, there's, you know, I, I thought I, I'm, I'm still searching, you know, I'm, I, I thought searching and, and, and taking the time to, 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 to be still and, and just, and just not think, you know, is, is, is the best thing I found. Yeah. Like, to, to, mm -hmm. to, to be still is one of those things is two words to be still or three words to be still. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's one of the most challenging thing I could take on. It's challenging. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever done a vipassana, the 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 ten day silent meditation retreat. Where not yet? I want to do it. I haven't done it, and uh, yeah, I haven't. My, Lisa, my partner, she did. She's done it, and uh, no, I haven't. And uh, yeah, it's 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 not easy. It's no. not, have you done it? It's it, it sounds simple, but it's just oh my god, it's so. Intimidating, and I've done plenty of like plant medicine and all these different kind of ceremonies. Okay, pasana is one of the most challenging things that I've done because it's ten days. For the first three days, a quick share. For the first three days, all they focus on is this area. The nose. No, just the little surface area below the nose. That's it. Oh, uh huh. 
that's what you're <laughs> supposed to focus and then i'm like oh my god it's so for three days <laughs> for three days so like, oh my god so hard but it's worth it it's it's beautiful I... to watch the insanity of the mind you're like oh so that's what my mind normally does yeah when, when i'm not conscious when i'm not sovereign right just the, the insanity of the mind um let's actually talk a little bit about <clears throat> phonio mm. so i know that that's 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 sort of your vehicle for transformation to bring also to introduce west african culture and then cuisines and so forth so for someone who learn about this for the first time how does it compare to rice and wheat and and quinoa because it looks a lot like quinoa so. mm -hmm. yeah well fonio is an ancient grain like like those and uh gluten-free and like wheat and this is actually the 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 difference is the fact that fonio is a is very 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 resilient you know it's been around five thousand years it's probably the oldest cultivated grain in africa and um and the fact that it's also very nutritious, highly nutritious, if you want to compare uh, in terms of uh, uh, nutrition content, it has like five times more fiber than brown rice, for instance. You know, that's just one example. It has amino acids that are deficient in all the major grains. And Fonio has those two, two amino acids in, they have it in abundance. You know, they're called cysteine and methionine. And those amino acids are very important for human growth, but they don't, they don't have it abundance of it in grains but for you unless it's for you so um you know i can go on and on i wrote a whole book my last cookbook is on fonio it's the fonio cookbook you can i know you can see it in the background here and um it's the whole journey of fonio you know because i thought it was so important a grain like this for me you know the fact that it grows in a poor soil and it can restore the soil because it has deep roots that stored dioxide and takes restores the topsoil. You know, I live in an area called the Sahel. You know, Senegal is the Sahel, south of the Sahara. You know, that's an area that's very dry, very arid, and a, a grain that can bring that can slow down the desertification is very important. You know, and that grain happened to be also nutritious and gluten-free and delicious. As a chef, you know, for me, it's like, well, that's a great opportunity here. You know, this grain. Can, can be transformational, can change this culture. Because those cultures, the growers of Fonio, they're among the poorest ones in the world. They like, they like, they just grow Fonio for their subsistence. They don't have markets for Fonio. So my dream was like, wow, I can find markets for this grain. I mean, easily. I'm very naive and very op optimistic. As you, if you get to know me, I think I can do anything. I mean, you know. That's great. One of my set. I love. I mean, I, <laughs> don't forget. Uh, let me ask you a question about cultivating this mindset. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, if you want to continue on with phonio, we can come back. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, I was thinking. Okay, look, I I've seen quinoa in the U.S. Look, you know, brought this grain from the Andes and, they, and it became the it grain. You know, Fonio has all of it. You know, it's not only is gluten-free, it's very nutritious, it's great for the environment. But this grain, if it becomes the it grain, is going to transform the culture where it's from. The people, the, those poor farmers who can ma barely make a living, Fonio will make them, you know, importers of grain, you know, of, of this crop. And that can even change uh, the, 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 
West Africa, I'm not even talking about Senegal, but West Africa, because, you know, food security is an issue, it's still an issue, we're still importing food. You know, when if we can grow enough for you, for ourselves and for the import, you know, that's really amazing. And this is me in my head saying, I'm going to do this thing. And that's how I started my company called Yolele. You know, and Yolele was like, I'm By going... Way, what, what does Yolele mean? Yolele is let the good times roll. <laughs> it's like a, it's a it's a funny it's a funny thing. But why I use Yolele because Yolele is a Fulani word. I don't know if you know what Fulani is. The Fulani people are the largest nomadic group in the world. They've been just moving from east to West Africa, north to South Africa. They're herders, and they you know it's like you find Fulani's everywhere in Africa because they're nomadic. I mean, now you have more of them that are being sedentary, but they're still a strong nomadic group, larger than the gypsies. I mean, it's really a big, big culture. And I wanted uh, my company, Yolele, to be just like the Fulani, to transcend borders. You know, I thought my food and the food, Fonio, for instance, could be transcendental, you know, just bring it to the, the here, the, 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 the US, you know, and in doing so, change the culture over there, change the change the situation, the difficult situation that we are living in West Africa. And in it's doing so, also mitigate climate change because it grows easily, Fonio grows easily and it's, it's, it just restores the soil. So the soil can be alive again, you know, so, you know, it can slow the desert, you know, it can, it, it can diversify the diets of people here in the West because we have a, so, such a limited diet, you know, and that's why we have, so much health problems, you know, a lot of the problems that we have are caused by our diet, you know, obesity, the heart issues, all of it is connected by this poor diet and limited diet. So, so bringing crops like Fonio is, is an amazing thing that we can do. So with one grain, I could have like so much impact, you know, and triple bottom line, our health, our nutrition, the planet and and the farmers who grow it will will benefit from it so that's really what what made me start this company it started very very small and then we we just um, managed to get whole foods to take in their first store when they opened in harlem they they decided to distribute our first grain of fonio and uh, that was the, that became the champion in its category at whole foods whole foods next thing wanted to have fonio in all the supermarkets in New York, you know, and next thing you know, we are all in the Northeastern region. And today we are in all the Whole Foods in America. We are distributed in more than 1000 supermarkets around the country. We are distributed online. I mean, you name it, Good Eggs, uh, Thrive, uh, Fresh Direct. I mean, everyone is serving Fonio. We added new lines of products, of Fonio products, the pilafs. I don't know if you can see these colorful packs around. Uh, they're all different pilafs that you can see at Whole Foods now. And uh, they, and all these pilafs are inspired by traditional recipes from from my my culture, you know. So you have the greens that has moringa, you know, it's a really an amazing green that grows also in the soil that's very sustainable. You have the Afro funk that's like has this fermented locust bean because there's lots of fermentation in our cuisine just like in in southeast asia and this this uh, locust bean is also sustainable it's from a tree that we ferment the seed so i made this this pilaf so anyway so just to make a long story short 
we are distributed, we are growing, we want to grow even bigger than that. We want to be the African pantry because there's room for it, there's a demand for it, and that changes that changes the society there. That's changing uh, the situation. You know, we don't. We, I'm tired of hearing about young Africans trying to make it to Europe in the worst possible conditions because they don't have opportunities back back home. Mm. You know? And, and and people die. People die in the desert because they're trying to cross the desert by foot to make it to Europe. People drown in the ocean. I don't know if you heard the news just last week. You know, like hundreds of people drowned because they tried to make it on fishermen boats. You know, they have these dugout boats and try. I mean, that's how desperate they are. You know, mm. and that's that's that shouldn't be. You know, mm. Mm. they have gold with Fonio. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for, for sharing your story and the inspiration and what you see as possible. Fonio is not just great as a, as a consumer, but it also has ripple effects of the local economy, climate change. I mean, it's a ripple effect continues, right? So on this podcast, we say a lot, the atomic unit, the fundamental block of making the impact that you want to make. And for for me, what you just shared is this is your atomic unit of making that kind of impact. And it's, it's all, you're already seeing successes in Whole Foods all over the U.S. So congratulations for, for doing that. Thank That's you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. So on that note, though, as a, as a, as a, you call yourself a social activist, as a change maker, what is the most challenging part of manifesting this vision because your vision is big i i see that i feel you i feel your heart i feel your passion for it and, and there there requires some behavior change one assume right because i don't really know phonio yet right i know rice i know weed right i don't know phonio so i'm willing to try now that i've talked to you so from the perspective of being bring this vision to the ripple effect that you wanted to make what is the biggest challenge that you face? And and second part to that question is how do you cultivate your mindset to not let to not let you know the challenge push you down? Mm. Well, I for me, I mean, discipline is definitely something that that you must, and that's um, believe it or not, that's not my strength. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the most disciplined person. You will be surprised that I've been able to do this without being so disciplined. But I I like to... I am very surprised because you went from dish uh, busboy <laughs> to, you know, that requires tremendous discipline, I think. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I, I maybe out of fear. Of the... <laughs> <laughs> you just do things. <laughs> you find some strength somewhere, inner strength. And uh, I, I, I think um, faith, I, I had faith, and it's not like this, uh, you know, faith, religious faith, kind of, but just, just, just faith in, believe in, 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 in this mission, you know, believe in where I was heading and believe that, you know, it, there was no other way that, but to make it, you know, there was no other way. I was like confident. And so in the beginning, you know, how to get people to 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 believe with me because I need them you know I need them to 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 eat for you you know i would I would go to supermarkets myself you know i would uh, when we first did Harlem you know i was put I would put a table i would 
organize a cooking demo right there at the supermarket. I would have people tasting it, you know, and and every time I would do that, Fonio would sell out at the supermarket every time. Mm -hmm. And so, so next step for me was to find, you know, obviously a way to scale it because I can't be doing it, you know, in all the supermarkets, obviously. So we hired and I said we actually are partnered with uh, Philip Devereaux, my business partner, who's also a veteran in the food industry, who's mm -hmm. has been around and when, when quinoa was first arriving in the US, so he's like, he's been importing quinoa early on. Mm -hmm. And so so we, we teamed up, we had different experiences and that complemented, completed each other. And um, so we hired, we hired, we went through the universities, you know, Columbia, NYU, and took students who were interested in either food studies or African studies, and they became ambassadors, became ambassadors, mm -hmm. and they would go to the supermarkets and do exactly what I was doing in the beginning. And that's how we gradually started to get a group of like followers, you know, people who would just like get into uh, the products and they became champions, you know, the people who would be themselves going and posting social media about their experiences for you or what they had cooked is for you. And, and, and we had gradually, we, we, we built a, a, just a, a, our, our own ecosystem of, of Fonio lovers. And, and we had, and the media was following us and we had amazing media, media attention. I mean, pretty much all the major medias were like, were like just, writing stories on Fonio and, and and supporting what we were doing. So, and I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question because I was like, I was just explaining how it, how it grew, but what was your question again? Yeah, of course. So let me recap what you said. Mm -hmm. What you share is the external things that you did to mm -hmm. help bring this idea to the where it is right now, right? So you, you, you did demonstration and you notice that anytime you do demonstration, you actually give people a taste and then the stuff would sell out and you also partner up with someone a veteran who's you know really savvy in the food business and then you started to recruit uh college um you mm -hmm. know what african studies and food studies students yeah. who really help you duplicate what you did that's yeah. a way to really build this ambassadors of phone uh phonial lovers that's mm -hmm. something external what i was asking you was the internal how did you cultivate your mind mm -hmm. such that no matter what's going on, you are, you can withstand the setbacks, the the, the lack of feedback, the the, the rejections, uh, the all, all of that, you know, um, things that we as entrepreneurs will experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think those that, that 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 mind was already trained to 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 <laughs> to accept setbacks and and challenges. From from my first days in New York, you know, from the first, you know, that that same again. That's why I'm I'm really really thankful for that person who who stole my belongings, because you know he got me on that path of like just just accepting just that you know there will be challenges, there will be hurdles, and 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 so what you know I lost my my all my money. So what you know this person is not. Uh, putting Fonio on his shelf on the supermarket. So, I mean, so I mean, he'll come around. He'll come around, you know. And I, because I, I knew, you know, uh, just looking back at my trajectory and how it happened, 
I knew that this was just good. I can see now. And that's one way, you know, we have a saying in Senegal, when you come, when you don't know where you're going, you know, go back, trace, trace your trace your steps back, you know, go back to where you come from. And that always gives you an idea of where, where you're going. And history, I think, is the best way to read the future, you know. And now, you know, I you know, it may sound confusing. It's very clear here what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I'm gonna to try to make it clear to you. Um so just looking at um, this trajectory and looking at how things happened in ways that I, I haven't always controlled it. I, I would lie if I say that I'm the one who made it this way by myself. No, it's not the case. I'm clear about it. I'm clear that there, you know, there was like some immanent justice, you know, there was some like uh, some guidance at least you know that allow me and even and i'm also clear that even the mistakes you know the mistakes that i made were like necessary you know those mistakes were like actually part of the path to get to where i was getting you know because i i'm able now to look at those mistakes and I'm like if i hadn't made that mistake i wouldn't be here i would be somewhere else which was not where i wouldn't want i would want to be this is where I want, you know so i i guess i, I want to say that i was my mind is is accepting uh whatever comes because i know mm -hmm. whatever comes is is part of you know, part of the, the 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 way to to get to where i'm going and i'm where i'm going is good place you know because the the mission is a good mission you know because the vision is a good vision because the you know i i is i'm sincerely trying to to bring something positive to 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 my people to, to to the people that adopted me here to you know i'm i'm like I, you know i sound like <laughs> very naive but this is really what it is you know and so i can't go wrong you know it, and and whatever happened is going to be good you know it's going to be good and it's it's been like that by the way pierre just so that you know it doesn't sound naive at all the most successful entrepreneurs. I mean, that's one of the reasons why on this podcast, we talk a lot about, yes, we talk about business, but we go beyond that. We talk about spirituality. We talk about beliefs and, and the, the narrative that we have in our mind. The most successful people that I know um, have this absolute faith in their ability as well as in the circumstance that shows up. You know, things are not happening to them. Things are happening for them. Mm -hmm. as so beautifully demonstrated right so whatever happens it's all blessing it's all a lesson you know it's just you know and, and as you said who they are is good the intention is good the product is good the vision is good therefore whatever happens yeah. um is is good so you know setback or no setback so you That's beautifully right. demonstrated that thank yeah. you yeah do you mind if I ask? I know that we're over time. Do you mind if I ask you two more questions? Or yeah, go for it. No, go for it. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So, in my mind, food and music. Sorry, let me backtrack. In my mind, every entrepreneur needs to think about their brand as media, basically. Mm -hmm. And food is such a beautiful. It's one thing if you're like a meditation teacher and then you try to do media, it's hard to demonstrate the, the impact of it. But for food, it, it's natural to go into, to, to, to portray yourself as a media brand. So I'm curious now, now that I put on your business hat on, how, how, how do you use all the 
media channels, the social media, Facebook, Instagram, as a way to help um, enroll people to adapt the the phonio lifestyle. How do I use social media? Yeah, like how do you think about media building brands and and using media as a way to build this movement? Essentially, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I, I've always uh, been conscious that this is going to be what makes it, you know, the the, the proper use of social media. And we, as the company was growing, we realized that one of the first hire, the most important hire, was to have someone who was just specially focused on that. And as we we have this brilliant uh, colleague Gemma Gemma Simko, as to her, and she's a she she really is whipping me all the time to like you know to make sure we get the right post you know and and she, she she since she came you know we really created i mean she does she she mastered it you know that's not something that i'm strong i'm good at i'm 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 strong at I'm, i got better at it but i knew that i needed to get there and uh, that's also another thing that I, I I think I am good at knowing that I am I'm not good at anything outside of the kitchen. So surrounding myself with those people, you know, and that's why I took Philip as a business partner. So I took Gemma to to take care of the, all the marketing and the social media. And and that's how you know everything is really well thought as we as we move forward, you know, like and 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 our growth is is is, is amazing. Our growth is really amazing just because we are able to to work with the media and and use the media as as a tool to to progress. Not sure if I'm answering your question properly, but I'm definitely conscious that the media plays a big role. And I'm you know again I'm like I'm a dinosaur when it comes to <laughs> playing with them. But I've been I've learned a lot through that high and through Gemma. We we did so much progress. And and all of it, you know, we on all the platforms, you know, me personally, on uh, on the from Instagram, Twitter to uh, you know Facebook, and 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 then you're really on those platforms as well, and my restaurant Teranga on those platforms. But each of them are run by those medias are run by you know social media savvy people who are able to coordinate all that all the different platforms together to 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 have a, a great impact. Yeah. So for any of my listeners listening who is inspired by your story, inspired by the vision that you have, mm -hmm. um, what could they do to help advance your movement? Well, they have to go and get some for you. You know, they can get it at yolele.com, which is a direct. You know, obviously they can get it at Amazon, but it's better to get it at yolele.com directly. <laughs> and they can get it, of course. I mean, there's so many different platforms, but once they get it, we're talking about social media. It'll be great to have to hear from them. You know what they do with it. You know, Fonio is very versatile. There's so many things you can do with Fonio. You know, you can just really think, be creative, or think of your favorite recipe and and and, and substitute the grain with Fonio. Fonio cooks in five minutes, so it's quite fun to do. And again, it's that versatility really makes it just so 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 much fun. And send pictures, take pictures of it. And and tag us, tag tag Yolele, tag Teranga, tag myself, Chef Piacham, and uh, and and that would be really great because in doing so you let your 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 network of people know about Fonio, and you would 
make a great contribution. And in addition, you would add something delicious to your diet. Hey, Pierre, I really acknowledge you for sharing your journey with us from being stranded in New York to busboy to all the way to executive chef to now being a social activist, being a founder of Yolele, and then really doing your best, right, to make a difference in the local uh, economic community as well as, you know, think climate change, you know, on the broader scale. So really just appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Thanks you so for much. having me. Thanks for having me. It's also a pleasure. I really enjoyed this.